Give the Lord a hand clap of praise all over the house. Thank you so much. That's old school right there. Nothing but the blood. I love it. The Bible says in Lamentations 3 and 22, watch this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Somebody might need to hear that this morning. The steadfast, 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 always. Don't, Don't slow down. Don't stop. Don't back down. It's steadfast. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Now watch this. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Can I tell you, he's been so much more faithful to me than I have been to him. Aren't you thankful that when you aren't faithful, he is still faithful? I'm telling you, we don't understand. I'm telling you, we do not understand the love of God. Because we put it in the humanistic form and we, we look at it the way, well, they, they hurt my feelings and I'm mad at them. I'm never speaking to them. And that's the way. I mean, somebody you could love. Somebody you could love for years and you get mad at them. All of a sudden, you can't love them because humanistic love is not steadfast. Listen, humanistic love, it comes to an end. But according to the Word of God, His love is steadfast. It never ceases. His mercy never ceases. Morning by morning. I don't know about you, but I needed a new dose of mercy this morning. <laughs> I'm telling you, I used up my mercy yesterday. Come on, somebody. I needed a new dose this morning, and I am grateful that he is faithful to give me what I need. Somebody ought to pray. Ah, Y'all sound like y'all at a golf match somewhere. I'm, y'all ought to thank the Lord this morning that new mercy stopped by your house today. And if you don't understand that love, we're going to give you that opportunity before you leave today. Alive and well. Alive and well. Hadn't ended. I realized I, I made a few boo-boos last week with my contact. I, contacts, I decreed it gone, by the way. <laughs> it's got to go. Just had to go. Uh, if y'all wasn't here last week, I tried to preach with a contact in for the first time, and I was quoting scripture wrong. I mean, I'm telling you, it was just, my wife, she, my wife texted me. She said, I went back and was listening. She had to work last week. I was listening, and you just kept saying Psalms 31. She said, you do know it's Proverbs 31, right? I said, I couldn't see. I couldn't see. And it just, it had me, it had me really messed up. I would look up and you guys would be blurry and I'd look back down and I could see and I'd look up and you'd be blurry and I just, I fought through it the entire time. But anyway, she had mercy on me. She had mercy. She said it was still a good word. Amen. Thank you. She said it was still a, a good word that God shared um, with us last week. But uh, this week, Pastor Dave's going to come. So we're going to invite Pastor Dave out on stage. And our youth, our student pastor, he's going to come. And so you give it up for Pastor Dave as he comes. He's going to share the word with us today. Thank you, Pastor. How's everybody doing this morning? 
Y'all give me a funny look. I didn't get a chance to look at myself in the mirror this morning before I left. Everything okay? I need to look in the mirror. All right. Well, y'all go ahead and have a seat. I know I look a little silly this morning. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just looking at my wife. She did not know this was going to happen. And she's looking at me like, what on earth are you doing? So, um, sorry if I'm a little loud. I'm just a little excited, a little, you know, having a little bit of fun this morning. Uh, we are actually going to be talking about an incredibly serious topic this morning. Uh, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm making light of the topic. I do have a, uh, an actual example that goes along with this, so I don't want anybody to think that, you know, uh, Dave's making fun of anything. But uh, we've been in a series called Alive and Well, just like what we heard, right? And uh, today, we're going to be talking about part of being well. Uh, Pastor Chad and Pastor Kip have both, I feel like, covered spiritual health and physical health. Well, today... We're going to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is mental health. So mental health is something that we don't talk a lot about in the church. Why? Why don't we talk about it in the church? It got real quiet. <laughs> that, that's one of the reasons why, right? We don't like to get our stuff out in the open. A lot of people don't like to talk about our feelings, our hurt, our pain out in the open. And a lot of the times, and this is a re very real thing, churches kind of go about mental health in the wrong way. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I want to open it with an account from a Liberty University student. So a Liberty University student wrote this in a report. She was struggling with uh, depression, she was struggling with anxiety, and she was struggling with uh, fitting in a whole bunch of different things. But she said here, I thought going to counseling was evident of a lack of faith. I thought that by admitting that I needed help for my anxiety and depression, that I was being sinful. In most churches, there's a lack of availability for professional care in response to mental illness. While there are usually resources such as small groups, mentors, and pastors, these individuals do not have the professional training necessary to deal with serious mental health conditions. In most situations, mental health issues can be easily misunderstood, and the solutions given by leaders in the church can often be hurtful and confusing. Now, I want to preface that with a little bit of an explanation. I went to college for youth ministry. I did not go to college for counseling. And Pastor Chad, Pastor Kip, are you guys mental health professionals? They're both shaking their heads no. Now, does that mean that we can't listen to you about your mental health problems? No, not at all. We can listen to you, we can talk to you about them, but by no means are we professionals. Okay, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Now let's get to the beard, because I know a lot of people are like, what on earth is he doing the beard thing about? So, oh, you thought it was my head? That's funny. 
So I've been letting it grow out a little bit on the head too, right? But most of you guys know me as Pastor Dave, right? Some of you know me as Dave, a little different, right? Am I still the same person? Yes, I am still the same person, right? But most of you guys see what's on the outside, what's going on day to day, what's going on on the outside of my life week by week, month by month, but you don't always see what's on the inside. You don't necessarily see my struggles. You don't see my pain. You don't see my suffering. You don't see the times in my life where I'm going through a spiritual desert. You don't see all of that because what do you see? You see the outside. But we don't talk about the inside a whole lot in the church because here's some questions that I'm going to throw out here. A lot of the times when we bring these different things to the attention of fellow believers, we get questions like this. Well, have you surrendered that, that thought to the Lord? Oh, don't worry about it. God's just testing your faith. You should really pray more about that. Mental illness is just a sign of spiritual immaturity. Through prayer and growth, it'll go away. That's not how that works. That's not how that happens. Now, I'm not saying that God can't perform miracles because he absolutely can and he absolutely does on a daily basis. But in my case, I've had these questions asked. In my case, I've actually asked these questions before. In my spiritual immaturity, I've asked people, well, have you really prayed about that? Have you really thought about that? Have you, you know, maybe you just need to read your Bible a little bit more. And those were the incorrect responses that I was giving people. And again, that was in my younger age. That was in, and don't get me wrong, I still make mistakes all day, every day. <laughs> okay, so I don't want you to think that Dave's on a different level. No, that's not the thing. But this student that we just read her account of, she went to her RA. And a lot of the times, students, when they have problems, they go to their RA. Whitney, my wife, was an RA at Winthrop for three years. How many students did you have come to you with their problems instead of going to mom and dad? hundred or more. And she was just an RA for three years. Because a lot of the times, the RA is set up specifically in college to be your lifeline, right? And a lot of the times, well, you were given the tools in order to point them in the direction of professional help. A lot of the times we try and tend to take those matters into our own hands, and that's not what we need to do. Here's what she said after she received these questions, like, have you surrendered your, your condition to the Lord? Are you praying enough about this? Things like that. I began to question what I was doing wrong. Was I saying the wrong words when I prayed? Ooh, that's a big one. I, I think that a lot, right? In my own prayer life, I'm like, am I, am I just, am I not praying the right thing here? What's going on? Was I not praying enough? I eventually tried to ignore my mental health situation, which is something that we cannot do, okay? Thinking if I could forget it, it would all be okay. This led to an overflow of emotions and fears and doubts 
in my mind. You think that helped promote her, her faith growth? Ain't no way. The issue was never resolved. It just grew until I knew something had to change. And she ended up getting professional help later on, you know, and it resolved it. But, or it helped give her the tools in order to work through specific situations. I want to hit you guys with some statistics as well. And we're going to do unchurched and then we're going to do churched. Okay. But uh, these are mental health statistics from the CDC, as well as a survey that was conducted by mental health professionals at Next Step Solutions, which is an organization that was founded in order to help adults and young adults work through their issues with mental health. So 42% of adults surveyed felt sad or hopeless on a daily basis. 42%. That's a lot. 21% of adults surveyed admitted to experiencing poor mental health. Now, I'm going to say this a lot, but those are the ones who are being honest. So if I've got something, you know, a survey, is everyone going to potentially be honest in the survey? Potentially not right? Especially if it's not anonymous. We get these surveys in our emails all the time as teachers, and it's like the first thing that's attached to the survey is your email address. So it's like, can I honestly give my opinion here? Or is someone going to come knock on my door in about two and a half hours, and I'm going to get a little slap on the wrist, right? Most of the time, I get that knock, 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 because I am honest. (laughs) Uh, That's 50 million adults in those 21%, of those 50 million, 55% had not received any treatment at all for poor mental health, with 5.4% of those 55 experiencing extreme mental illness and suicidal ideation. Now, again, is that true? The, the survey here, there's probably a lot more if people were being honest if people were actually willing to give their real thoughts on these things. Now, let's, let's go with some church stats. Y'all ready for these? Now, how many know the uh, divorce rate in the church? Anybody know? 50%. What about unchurched? It's 50%. So I wanted to just preface that with that statistic because it turns out that churched people aren't all that different from unchurched people. So 23% of pastors indicated that they struggled with a mental illness such as depression or anxiety. Be 100% honest with you, I'm in that 23%. 38% of church leaders indicated that they've struggled with depression. Only 49% of pastors surveyed openly talked about mental health with their congregation. And 53% of churchgoers have said that their church has been supportive through their struggles. 53%. I'm not good at math, but that's 47% of people being honest and open about their church not being supportive through their mental health struggles. That hurts. So are we supposed to be you know, adjacent to Christ, around Jesus, or are we supposed to be the body of Christ? Are we the finger of Christ or the toe? We're the body of Christ. We need to be 
surrounding each other with love, with kindness, with all of these different ways that we can help each other and love on each other in our times of struggles. It's real quiet out there. Everybody doing okay? Everyone doing good? I know it's not a fun thing to talk about, but that's why we have to talk about it. That's why I, I feel ultimately called to talk about this topic because I've struggled with mental health my whole life. And I feel like it's a little bit of a stigma in the church. In fact, in college, one of my best friends, one of my best friends, Jacob, actually kind of opened my eyes to that because it took a long time for me to realize that, oh, somebody who's struggling with anxiety, they're not just giving an excuse because they don't want to do something. Someone who's struggling with depression, there are days that depression is so debilitating that you can't get out of bed. There are things in your life and the people in their lives around you that they are going through that you don't see because you just see the outside. And something that you say or something that you do might hurt the inside. But you don't know that because they're not going to tell you. They're not going to be open about it. But as Christ followers, we're called to love people. We're called to be there for people. We're called to be servants to other people. Now, here's some student statistics. And, you know, some of my students, I know that you guys have heard this a little bit. But poor mental health is consistently increasing with each year with students indulging at risky behavior daily. Uh, social media consumption, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but uh, how hard is it to find gross pictures online? I'll just say that because I know we got young years in the room. How hard is it? Honestly, if you open the Snapchat app and swipe to the left, it's there. I'm not even looking for it and I'm finding it. It's, it's everywhere, okay? And that's just online. Think about the things that students are going through on a daily basis at school, right? We've got different peers that are pressuring them into doing things. We've got drugs. We've got alcohol. We've got um, a whole bunch of other risky behavior in order to keep it PG. Uh, but peer pressure is a big one. In 2021, the CDC conducted a survey in which they found that 21% of students surveyed contemplated suicide, while 10% of the students had actually attempted at least once. Again, these are the ones who I'm being, or who are being honest about it. Now, if you ask people in a room, hey, have you ever thought about this? They're probably going to say no, right? People are not going to be honest about that. People are going to try and step around that because then, you know, cameras start getting pointed. I think about that. Like, the spotlight gets on you, right? People start thinking, wait a minute, we got we to gotta keep an eye on, on this one, right? But honestly, rather than just keeping an eye out on somebody, why aren't we there for them? Why aren't we asking them on a daily basis, what can I do to make your life better, right? I have a lot of students that deal with this. I have a lot of sixth graders at, you know, uh, school that, that are struggling with things like this. And unfortunately, I can't show, or I, I can show them the love of Jesus, but I can't tell them Jesus loves you, right? But 
every single day, I do my best to show them what Christ's love looks like. I try and show them that they are loved, that they are cared for. And, you know, even though I can't say it, they're prayed for, right? So, uh, mental health problems in youth go hand in hand with other health and behavioral risks. Drugs and alcohol and violence are three things that are just increasing as the year goes, as the years go on. But because mental health behaviors are established at a young age, as students get older and they're engaging in these at-risk behaviors, it's only going to get worse. Those behaviors become established. Those thought processes become solidified in their minds. So it's no wonder that in the face of all the struggles in the world that so many people just want to throw in the towel. So many people just want to give up. And they say, you know what? I'm just going to get through the day. I had a conversation a long time ago with my youth about not getting through the day. Um, About actually making every day count. Making every day matter. How many of us have clocked into work, sat down at our desks, and we say, man, I just got to get through today. (laughs) I've been there, done that, right? (laughs) All of us. Don't need a show of hands because I know it's everybody. But what if that's a day that we're wasting? We don't have an an infinite number of days. We're just a blip on the radar, Sorry to make us you know, feel a little inc- insignificant, but it's the truth. We have to make every single day count. And that's in our interactions with everybody else. That's in our interactions with our kids, with our spouses. And, you know, I'm talking to myself just as much as I am to you guys because there's a lot of the times where I will, you know, clock out for the day and I'm sitting in bed, Whitney's asleep, and I'm like, man, I could have handled that situation with my kids totally differently. You know, I yelled and he cried. I could have totally handled that in a different way. So all these different things, it makes you think at the end of the day. It makes you think, what could I have done differently and what can I do moving forward? I want to talk about just a couple things, a couple people in the Bible as an example of some people who... I believe we're going through some mental health struggles. And number one is Elijah. If you guys have ever read Elijah's story, you know that he was chased by Queen Jezebel. You know that he uh, famously sent a horde of bears to maul some children after they called him bald. So, uh, you know, all these different things. But uh, in 1 Kings 19, 4 through 8, it says, While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, this is a biblical character, someone who is a prophet, somebody who has seen God's power on the daily, who is asking God to help him throw in the towel. He says, God, I'm done. I don't even want to be here anymore. You think he was struggling with a little bit of, you know, depression, anxiety? Remember Jezebel was like going to kill him? She's going to murder him, all these things. But my favorite thing about this, and if, you know, if you read on, God does something for Elijah here that 
really helps me because I love food. Okay? I know it sounds weird. But God feeds Elijah. In this passage, God takes Elijah by the side. He gives him something to eat. And he basically tells him, I'm not done with you yet. Calm down. Eat your dinner. It's going to be okay. (laughs) All right? Now, that's my favorite thing because, again, I love food. But ultimately, God took care of Elijah in his time of struggle. Even when Elijah was like, this is it. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. God said, don't stop because I'm not done with you yet. Jonah, famously, right, goes through Nineveh, preaches to the entire city, says, God is going to destroy you unless you turn away and you repent. Jonah goes up to the top of this this hill overlooking the city of Nineveh and waits for the fire, waits for the uh, destruction of Nineveh, waits for God to wipe them off the face of the planet. And it doesn't happen. And Jonah gets mad. In fact, he says, I'm so mad that I don't want to live anymore. I don't even want to deal with this anymore. And God even, like, takes care of him in this situation. He provides a tree for Jonah to sit under. God nourishes him. Then he, you know, Jonah's mad, and then he provides a worm, and the worm eats the tree. So that's another fun thing. Uh, and then Jonah's, guess what, mad again. <laughs> and he says, God, wh- what, what the heck? My kids would say, Daddy, we don't say what the heck. We say what in the world. So what in the world, God? Why did you send this tree for me to sit under and then this worm to eat it? And God says, do you have the right to be angry? Is that, is that your tree? Is that your worm? Are those people, the object lesson here, are those people in Nineveh yours or are they mine? They're God's people because they all repented and they turned away from their sin. We also have the prophet Jeremiah. Does anybody know Jeremiah's like name? He's the weeping prophet. Jeremiah lived in a time where Israel wouldn't have it. (laughs) No matter what Jeremiah did, his entire life, Israel kept saying no. He kept saying, turn away from your sin. Turn away from your anger. Turn away from your spiritual deadness. Death. That's a better word. Turn away from all of this sin. And Israel said, no, I'm not going to do it. Not happening. And so Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. You think he struggled a little bit with depression? His name's the weeping prophet. <laughs> right? You think he struggled with anxiety? He was given a job to do. Turn my people towards me again. And it wasn't happening. Right? But God ends up taking care of of him as well, and, you know, I'm not going to dive into that fully, but I want you guys to go and read the book of Jeremiah if you're interested. It's super cool. But the issue of mental health isn't new. This isn't something that has just popped up in, you know, the 50s or the 60s. In fact, in 19, I think it was 49, um, and I, you know, sliding just under the radar here, uh, May is National Mental Health Awareness Month. So, woohoo, we're celebrating. Um, Sorry. But 
it's not new. It just needs to be examined under a different lens because we're not dealing with the same world even that they were dealing with 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I think about when we were growing up as kids, we didn't have the internet. I mean, it was kind of a thing. Like I remember in eighth grade being able to look up screenshots of the new Star Wars movie, but that's like it. (laughs) I wasn't scrolling through Facebook in eighth grade. I wasn't doing all these different things that you can do online now, right? But when we were kids, our parents put us outside and they said, go play. (laughs) Embarrassingly enough, I'm sitting next to my kid on the couch playing video games with him. (laughs) But it's just, it's a different world that we live in than even 10, 15, 20 years ago. What can we do now as the body of Christ in order to be there for each other, in order to take care of each other in times of need and improve our overall mental health. Number one, community, community, community. And I've got that three times. If you see repetition anywhere in the Bible, it's a big deal, right? In fact, uh, the, the word mind is referenced over 300 times in the Bible. So it's, it's definitely important. But community, community, community. We have to be there for each other. We have to be there for others. And we can't be there for others if we're not even there for each other, can we? The body of Christ. Again, we're not the finger. We're not the toe. We are the body. If we're not working together through our relationships, through our friends, within our church body... If we're working against each other, how are we going to reach the world? Ain't no way. There's no way. Being open about our struggles with one another and having accountability for those struggles as well. A lot of people, they'll tell you about their struggles, but they don't want to be held accountable for them. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) A lot of people are open about their struggles, but they don't want to be held accountable for them. I have a couple different people in my life, specifically some friends, that I've given permission to to call me out when I'm screwing up. To call me out and say, Dave, that's not how you're supposed to act. Dave, you said this when you should have said this, right? Those are my accountability partners. That's important. Having people in your life that are able to be real with you, again, not just the outside, but people that are able to see you on the inside, right? They see the different version of you. You're still the same you. I'm still Dave, but the shell has cracked a little bit, right? The mask is off. The realness of the relationship is different, right? So being open and being accountable, and then prayer and leaning on God is a huge Huge aspect of this. Your walk with Christ is important. I'm going to say it again. Your walk with Christ is important. If we are not spending time with God, if we are not praying, if we're not reading scripture, if we're not engaging in our community, then how are we going to be able to pour into other people? You know, you can limp by pretty darn good for a while, but eventually... It just doesn't 
It doesn't end up working. You're going to give shallow answers to things. You're going to give a lot of answers that just scratch the surface and don't dig deeply, right? You can't pour from an empty cup. And that, you know, my mom taught me that forever ago, and I feel like I say it almost every time I'm up here, but it's the truth. We have to be able to dig deeper, not only with other people, but that starts with our relationship with God. So, couple different things I want to cover really quick before we end. It's 11.04. We're going to be done in about 10 minutes. Okay, I promise. But if you're struggling with anxiety, we're going to cover specifically anxiety and depression, and then I've got a lifeline a little bit here. If you're struggling with anxiety, the number one thing to do here is to talk to God. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I used to mess with Whitney all the time because if she were spiraling in a specific situation, she was getting upset about something, I'd say, cast all your anxiety on him because what? (laughs) Say it for me. You got it. Come on. He cares for you, right? And I just keep kind of like hammering her with that. I'd be like, because what? He cares for you. It's not because he cares for some of you or because he, you know, kind of likes us sometimes. Even when we are literally as sinful as we can possibly be, he still loves you, cares for you a thousand percent. He made you. He built you. He knew you before you were placed in your mother's womb. He gave you your name, your personality, your structure, your life. You don't think he loves you? So be alert and of sober mind. Hey, there's mind. It's in there. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Hold up. Hold the phone. Wait a minute. So not only do we have, yeah, you're struggling, cast your anxiety on him, but then specifically right here, it says you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. (laughs) We're all struggling. We're all suffering. We're all going through it. Why don't we toss each other a life raft? Why don't we talk to each other about it? Why aren't we praying for each other? Why aren't we there for each other in ways that we can be, but we put off because this is going to be a lot of work today. Really wanted to finish season three of How to Get Away with Murder, <sighs> but I guess we'll, I guess we'll talk about it. Right? These are things that are huge deals. We're all suffering. We need to be there for each other, love each other, care for each other, pray for each other. Philippians four six through seven says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation." Not some situations, every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know what peace feels like? Have you ever been stressed about a situation and then it's resolved and it all just goes away? Had one of those this week. Big old stressful situation. Two years in the making, gone. Felt like I could breathe again. It was peace. It was understanding. It was his presence. If you've not felt that before, when it hits you, you'll feel it. You'll know. Right? I had a, and this is a little bit of a branch off, but I had a student ask me once, when Jesus comes back, am I going to recognize him? This is a little, again, branch. When the Savior of the world, when your eyes, your creator, your Savior, when your eyes rest on him, oh, you're going to know. Just throwing that out there. Okay, so if you're struggling with depression, seek God's presence. So Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, that last little part, it's in reference to God being our shepherd, right? We are his sheep. Yes, I'm sorry, sheep are dumb. But guess what? We are his sheep. He is protecting us. He is loving us. He is caring for us. If you don't think that he would protect your mind as much as he does your heart and you physically, he loves all of you, not just some of you, okay? All of you. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Now I can read that from the top of the bottom of the day. And being a human being on the inside, right? Dave's still going to worry. <laughs> Dave's still going to struggle. Dave's still going to have doubts, fears, anxious moments, all of these different things. But it's still there. It's written in Scripture that he will go before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So I don't care if you're going through, you know, the, the best spiritual moment of your life or you're going through the driest desert you have ever gone through. He is right there with you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. All righty. So, finally, what can we do for others? Be present. Listen. This is one that took a long time for me as a man to understand in my marriage. Whitney does not want solutions all the time. Half the time when she brings me a problem, she wants to hear, oh, that sucks, I'm really sorry. But I'm like, hey, I know how we can fix that. Let's do it. And she's like, mm, I don't, I'm not looking for a solution. I want you to listen to me. Okay? God is always listening 100% of the time. Okay? So when you're praying, he hears you. You might not get the answer you want, but he hears your prayers 1,000% of the time. Be intentional in your relationships. Don't walk around as a fake person. 
Be real with people. Show them who you really are and show them Jesus' love in every single situation. Sometimes that's hard, but it's true. We've got to be Jesus' love towards others because sometimes we might be the only representation of Christ that somebody gets. Ask what they need or what might be helpful, okay? This is something that took me a long time to realize too. It's not necessarily providing a solution, but it's providing that lifeline, right? What do you need? How can I help? We just finished New Amsterdam, one of our favorite medical shows, and every single time the doctor walks in the room, his phrase is, how can I help? It's not, here's what we're going to do. Sometimes we can be the, here's what we're going to do, people. But most of the time, we just need to be the, how can I help kind of person, okay? And then finally, pray for them on your own. This is something that we have to be doing. We can't just, you know, if someone comes to us and they're struggling, we can't just be like, all right, cool, I'm going to pray for that, and then just go about our day, right? We can't just, it. <laughs> this is a silly thing, but if you're ever in a boat and someone is, you know, in the water, just saying, yeah, cool, I'll pray for you, and the not is like offering them a wet noodle instead of a life raft, like a spaghetti noodle that you just pulled out of the pot. Is that going to be strong? No. What about a life raft? What about a prayer? What about how can I help? What about what is there to do? What can, what can I do in order to make your situation better? Ask them, or I'm sorry, um, something, or pray for them on your own or with them if that's something they're asking for. I promise you your day will not end if you stop for two minutes to pray for somebody. People, even non-believers, appreciate prayer. And again, you don't have to stop your day. You don't have to, you know, all that stuff, especially if they're not comfortable with it. But if they're like, could you pray for me? Stop. Right then, right there, two minutes, pray. Ronald, could you come on up? Last thing, and then I'm done. It's 11.14. <laughs> the last thing, I'm going to reiterate this, seek professional help. I am not a licensed mental health counselor. Again, I can talk to you about depression, anxiety, come to you with my situations and what I go through, but I cannot offer professional help. And if I try and take that place, then I'm doing you wrong. I'm doing you a disservice. I'm doing the wrong thing. Now, this is going to sound a little bit like an advertisement, but it's not, I promise. How many of you guys have ever heard of BetterHelp? Okay, good. So, <laughs> so uh, BetterHelp is an online mental health professional uh, website that you can actually talk to a counselor. You can do it on your phone. You can do it over the internet. You can do it, I don't think you can do it in person, but also like there's avenues to do this in person. I'm just throwing the online lifeline, the life raft, because it's the easiest and the most convenient, okay? 
Uh, I went through the, the introductory survey. It takes about 15 minutes. There's also, uh, you can choose to have a biblically-based counselor if you want one, or if you don't, you can choose not to check that box too. But there, I, I would be remiss if I did not offer some kind of professional solution while I'm up here. Okay, and I don't have, you know, again, this is not a paid ad. I don't have a discount code at the end or anything like that. If you guys ever listen to podcasts, they do a big thing with, with all that. But um, it, is, it is online, it's easy to access, and it is important. Because if you're struggling with these things, you, it's, it's just like a physical health. It's just like your spiritual health. It's, this is medicine for your mind. We have to take our mental health seriously. And if we don't, we're just asking for trouble. It is one of the most important aspects of our lives to be mentally healthy. The Bible calls us to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. We can't do that if we're debilitating ourselves, if we're holding ourselves back by not dealing with our struggles, with our pain, with our suffering, and not being real. It's not going to kill you to show some people the inside. And I promise I'm going to shave this off. Don't worry. But (laughs) it's not going to kill us to show people the inside. Understand and know, last thing again, what professional help looks like. It's not your parents. It's not your pastor. Anyone who isn't a professional shouldn't be giving professional advice in times of a crisis. We have to take this seriously. We have to be there for each other. We have to be the body of Christ. So now, in closing, we're going to open up our altar. And if you feel the need to come down and pray, we're going to have some elders up here. We're going to have some people up here. But also, if you just want to pray, and talk to God yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Know that your mental health is important. There's nothing wrong with saying, I need a little bit of help. It's just like our physical health, our spiritual health. But, again, we open up our altar. Y'all go ahead and come.